0: And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 273. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Shreg Wilson.
1: Hello, I didn't change my shirt.
0: It's uncanny. It's almost like we're doing it all in one day. Um. All right, so for those, uh, so we're recording live on YouTube and for you listening at home on whatever platform you listen to, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Whatever it may be, we're pretty much on every single platform, including iHeartRadio. Um, <laughs> if you can't see that, that's a big old heart shreg. All right. So, this episode, we're going to talk about Terry Price, what it means for the Canadians, and what it'll look like this season without him. So, without further ado, Hmm. Kerry Price will not play this year. He will probably not ever play again. And his money being on LTIR come the start of training camp opened up the Monahan trade that we talked about in the last episode. So my view on it, no one in either camp be it the Montreal Canadians or carry prices camp is going to come out and say, this is it. He's not playing ever again, because then he's going to be forced to retire and miss out on 30 to $40 million in salary. And uh, I don't know anyone who would do, who would turn that down just to say they're retired.
1: I uh, know they're not going to come out and say it. I mean, Weber has pretty much essentially said he'll never play again, but he never said he's going to retire. Um, I think Price will be the same way. Um, So anyone who who looks at it, and I've seen a lot of people slamming Price now because oh no, he got hurt, and you know, heaven forbid someone gets hurt. Um, His con, his uh, first of all, his his salary ten and a half is twelve percent of the cap. Uh, It's really not the issue. The issue is all the money they put into these 30-year-old wingers uh, on long-term contracts. Uh, That's the issue with the cap. It's not really carry Having one guy worth $10 million is not an issue. Um, It's when you have two or three or four around $10 million that your salary cap becomes an issue. Um, So... First, so let's just get rid of that. Second of all, as long as he's uh, injured, or as long as he's uh, not going to be playing, he goes on LTIR, which gives you cap relief. Doesn't give you more cap space. It just gives you release uh, relief of that ten and a half million, which you can use to acquire other assets during that time. Um, So, really, essentially. you kind of have that 10 and a half million you, can, you can play with, but ter- conditions have to be met in order to use it. Um, yeah. Having said that, this could turn into a Weber situation where if he's not playing next year or they know he's not coming back, they can find a team who's looking for LTIR cap relief or find a team who's looking to make the cap floor and trade off his contract.
0: If, if, now, with that, teams are. Yeah, excuse me. Teams teams are very careful in picking up those types of contracts, especially at the the size that carry Price's contract will be, because it's in the summer. The players are no longer on LTIR. No, you can put them in summertime LTIR, but it still counts towards the cap, and you can only go ten percent above the cap. So it, it makes it harder to bring people in. So that's where things get a little bit iffy. And that's why right now the the big question was, well, can they fit under the cap and blah, blah, blah. Chantal Mecca was on BPM Sports, which is the old 91.5 FM in Montreal. Um, She said that Price will be at camp on the 21st of September. But he's there so that the doctors can check him out and then sign off on the LTIR. Players are not officially on LTIR for a season until team doctors and league doctors sign off on it at the start of training camps.
1: Exactly. So uh, now, like you said, in the offseason, you go 10% over. uh, And that's why I say a team looking to reach the cap floor uh, because then they don't really have to worry about uh, the $10.5 can They still have money. And anyone who's around the cap floor, they're not looking to... uh, sign big name free agents in the offseason season anyway. Um, I don't see them ever moving Price's contract, maybe in the final year, maybe uh, just simply because it's just too hard of a, I mean, Hughes moved Weber. So who knows? Maybe he can move it. Um, but just seeing how it's 10 and a half, he's not going to play again. Uh, you're just using it for LTIR. And I look at it, it's like, well, Montreal can use that for LTIR. They can, uh, they can use that money. Now, mind you, next year, they're going to have $18 million in cap space uh, because of all the, uh, the guys that
0: depending the, on what they move out
1: and the more. De- yeah. Depending yeah. on what they move out. So they're uh, starting next year. They're not going to be in a, a cap issue. Um, especially with all the young guys that are probably going to start coming up. They don't need to fill the roster with free agents. Um, so price really is a non-factor when it comes to, in my opinion, when it comes to cap going forward,
0: he really isn't a factor for the Canadians at this point with him going on LTIR, he's essentially, his career is done. The Canadians aren't being slowed down whatsoever by him.
1: No, not at all. It it, kind of happened at the right time because they're in this rebuild and they you know they're not looking to they're not saying oh we need to sign this guy to make that extra step that'll be in maybe prices last year of his contract that's when it might come a little bit of a problem because they're like okay well we want to bring in this free agent because he's 26 and he scored 100 points last year you know what i mean like we want to throw money at him and get him on our team to make that extra step um So really cap wise, I don't see Price as a problem until year four uh, or his last year of his contract around there.
0: Yeah. And I've said this before. um, Between between us, but I'm going to say it here. Nothing is there's nothing in the rule book saying that Molson can't hire him on for. $10, $15, 20000000 10 $15, 20000000 million in a year to be a team ambassador or to work at the Molson brewery. He can retire, take that right off the, uh, right off the top and Molson can, can make sure he gets the money that he had signed for anyway. There's ways around it with a team as rich as the Canadians. Find a way. And, play and, with
1: it. and really his salary on the Montreal side is insured anyway. So they're not really yeah. losing anything at all you know i mean price is going to get his pay and then they're going to get the insurance so so this is the way it works
0: no money out of his pocket but if the cap situation is to the point where the canadians absolutely need that space so that they can take another step well at that point it's worth 10 million bucks out of their pockets for a team that makes over a billion dollars a year why not
1: that's if they can't move the contract to so if the Roberto Luongo's yeah. contract can be moved, anyone's contract can be moved. So it's just a matter of who's willing to take it and what's Montreal is will Montreal have to give up something to move it. That that's the question. That's the question.
0: Now, my beer league team still needs a goaltender. The one we have now has two bad knees. We would love an upgrade to one with only one bad knee. Just saying, Carrie, if you're looking for a place to play hockey. Yeah. A bunch of sailors could really use your help because our defense sucks. Oh
1: My God, it sucks. Anyway. Aren't you a defenseman? No. Oh, okay.
0: Looking at you, Gordo and your 65 flex stick. Get a grow up sticks. Jeez. Okay. So back to reality, Carrie price, um, Jeez, this has been going back and forth. Um, I wrote about this last year, and this is about Carey Price and his legacy with the Canadians. I honestly think he's a Hall of Fame shoe-in.
1: I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. And, and he cannot get on that ballot until three years after his retirement, so we might be waiting seven years before he can get in. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, before I move on to the retire, the number retirement thing, I want to talk about his last game, the one against Florida and how he was acting. I mean, John Lu put out a tweet and he showed how price was waving to the kids. And he always, he always waved to his kids before games, but they were, he spent a lot more time around them. His normal pregame routine was a little different because of that. And at the end of the game, the guys gave him the puck. And and even after the game, he said, this might've been my last game.
1: Well, he did say he played it as if it could be his last game ever. Uh, You know, he, uh, he, he went to bed, relaxed. He, uh, you know, I think he's accepting his fate now. Chantel Maccabee also said that they're nowhere close to looking at him retiring, but of course, they are going to say that. Um, he's probably going to need another knee surgery. Uh, Hughes doesn't see any way he can come back with just rehabbing.
0: Um, that's if he has any hope whatsoever of playing again.
1: Right. Um, I do believe Price wants to play again. I do believe he doesn't want to stop playing, but that's every, I mean, I was 40 and I was going over to Czech Republic to play lacrosse, you know, with a bunch of 20 year olds, because in your mind, you're still healthy. And and lo and behold, I blew my ACL out of my knee. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, just I just don't think it's there anymore. I think you're a goalie with hip and knee issues. You're 35. By the time you come back, you're going to be 36. Um, unless miraculously you uh, repair that knee. And I just don't see a scenario where even if he does come back, it's going to be the same carry price. Um,
0: Because he said he didn't want to come back unless he can meet the standard that he had already previously set for himself. Right Now a carry price at 50% is still better than 80% of the goalies out there, but for him, that's not enough.
1: No. And he said he wouldn't play any more than 50 games a season because uh, he don't think his knee can take it. So right then and there, he's already, yeah, I want to play at this standard, but just not as much. Can't
0: play it that long. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he's already kind of accepting the fact he probably won't meet that standard. Um, So, I mean, as a fan, I'm going to hold out hope that he comes back and he and he plays to 60% of what he was. Um, However, as a realist and A hockey analyst. Uh, uh,
0: According to some websites, expert.
1: Yeah. uh, Yes, according to, uh, (laughs) yes, clickbait website, I'm an expert. Um, Thanks, Tony. (laughs) Uh, I don't believe he's going to be – I don't see – I think you you saw the last of Carey Price, and I'm perfectly fine with that. He went out on top, big 10-1 win over Florida just the year before he got to the Stanley Cup Finals it would have been nice if they would have won. I think that this whole uh, thing would have been a lot easier. Uh, and, uh, but they didn't and that's okay. Um,
0: that, that brings a question into mind Weber and price, both pretty much done after that playoff run. So how much pain were they in during that run? I mean, you think about the mental focus it takes to play through an injury and then to play it at such a high level in such a pressure situation and get to where they did. I mean, you got to respect everything they've done. They carried that team, a team that everyone thought would have been outside the playoff picture all the way to a Stanley cup final and ran into possibly the best team ever assembled in the cap era and lost. Had they played against the Islanders, because there was a it was touch and go there for Tampa. The Islanders took him to a game seven, had the Islanders won that. Maybe the Canadians win a cup, and maybe this whole injury thing is an easier pill to swallow.
1: I, I think if that's I, I think all right, hypothetically thinking, say Montreal won the cup, yeah. Price doesn't play five games next this year, last year. He's done. No he he's he's got his cup Weber got his cup we already knew Weber was done regardless but I mean there was rumors around that Weber couldn't put on his own skates uh you know like Rumor
0: it's been confirmed he needed someone to help tie skates
1: yeah so I mean and price you knew his knee was bad you knew he uh he had his injuries um but imagine imagine doesn't matter who they play if they were fully healthy just imagine you know like uh I still don't think they would have beat Tampa. Tampa was just too strong. Um, but you never know. More than five games, though. It would have been more than five games, I think. And uh, I don't know. I uh, I don't like to think in hypotheticals because it didn't really happen. But I think everyone would be looking at this different if they won that Stanley Cup. If they won that Stanley Cup. If Price had to won a Stanley Cup at some point, like maybe in 2014 when Kreider ran into him, I think that was their best chance to win a cup. I think they could have won that cup. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I think that's where everything started for price, even though I think it was after that he had his best season ever, but, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, that was the beginning
0: I, of the end for his uh, injury concerns.
1: Correct. Correct. Um, but as it goes for price legacy, he's going to go down as one of the greatest goalies in Montreal franchise history. Uh, you can, you yeah. can argue, you can argue if he was the better one, but I don't like to compare eras cause it's totally different types of hockey. Uh, um, I would say for this era, he is the best goaltender, maybe overall. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I know someone on uh, ESPN said it was, and I don't want to give the name because I don't want to give this guy any freaking assistance or airtime. But he mentioned quist now. Yeah, Lundqvist was great but I think price was better I mean in a head-to-head matchup price won every time
1: and the uh I seen a I think it was a J fresh uh, card uh between 2007 yeah. and 2022 uh Carey price has the highest uh goals above uh expected goals against or whatever it is save percentage or whatever uh at 918.
0: Goals saved above
1: expectations. Goal saved above expectation Save, saved like like at 9-18, yeah, yeah. which was 12 points higher than the next guy next to him, which wasn't Lundqvist. Lundqvist was like third or fourth. Um, yeah. I think it's Veseleski. Vales- I don't know. Anyway, I'd have to go back and look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so right there, that just shows to me that over the last mm-hmm. 15 years, uh, Lundqvist is great. Don't get me wrong. Hall of Famer, great goalie. Another – super goalie that never won a cup. Um, But I think Price was just better. Um, I think Lundqvist was more consistent over a longer period, but he also had better teams in front of him. Carey Price had one 80-point score in his entire career on his team. One.
0: One? Yeah, I I was going through it, and he only had three players hit 70 points or more.
1: Alexei Kovalev was the only, and that was earlier in his career, the only player to score 80 points or more while on Carey Price's team. And then you had, what, Domi, Plachanic, and I think Kovalev was the other guys that scored over 70. So yep. when you have that low of offense, yet your team, in the years you've been there, have two Eastern Conference Finals, one Stanley Cup Final, uh, three division titles, uh, five 100-point seasons, and you only have three guys hit 70 points or more in that entire time.
0: <laughs> and how and in that time how many guys scored more than 30 goals uh, Gallagher. Cole, Gallagher, Pacioretty, Kovalev.
1: That's it and did any hit 40? Nope. Kovalev might have nope. Kovalev hit 40?
0: No 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 he had 38 uh Pacioretty had 39. Nobody hit 40 in his entire tenure in Montreal. Four guys hit 30 goals. Three guys had more than 70 points. It's not like there was a an offensive explosion in front of him. He essentially carried that team. This he was a franchise defining player for the era.
1: Yeah, I mean he he leads the he's the all time halves leader and wins. Mind you, he's played more. I think he's the all time halves leader in goaltender games played as well. So yes, yeah. let
0: he but has still, the most wins.
1: He does. He has the most wins without a high offense in front of him.
0: Or very, I mean, there's been some good defensemen in front of him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you have Weber, uh, even, you know, PK Subin. I know people crap on his defense, but he had to puck up the ice a lot. Yeah. Uh, Markov, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Josh Georges.
1: Uh I'm even gonna say Alexi Lem- Emelin because uh, Alexi Emelin was a good defenseman.
0: Good, but I mean, to- I'm talking like guys to- who were really, really, just next level.
1: Well, you got Weber, Markov. I'll throw PK Subban in there. Um, pretty much it. Pretty much it. It's been. I mean, Markov. However, if you, Markov, I mean, Markov alone made your defense better because whoever played with him played better because they played with Markov. Um and Josh Georges, Josh Georges kept PK Subban in check so Subban could keep that puck up the ice because he didn't have to that's worry right. about uh defensive lot li- and so that's what uh that's what made Subban's career so great in Montreal because he had the partners with him that you could uh forgive his defensive liabilities because he had a backup. So
0: yeah, exactly. And and this this all brings me to the point that Notice the lists that we're mentioning. They're not very long. It's a handful of players that were stitched on or grafted onto what Kerry Price can do. And he still has the most wins. He still helped carry a team. Um, you know, that's where this whole talk about uh, retiring his number comes into play. A lot of people want to retire his number. Now, I get it. But the Canadians have fifteen numbers already retired, so I think immediately he's he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be up in uh, the uh, uh, the Ring of Honor around the Bell Center. He'll be in the Canadians Hall of Fame area. There, they'll have a couple of you know ceremonies to celebrate him, but to retire his number with fifteen numbers already retired. I, I understand he was a generational talent. I understand that he did a lot of amazing things. But when you look in those rafters in Montreal, all those numbers that are retired, what do they all have in common?
1: They have a Stanley Cup, every single one. Of them. At
0: least, at least one. And as as harsh as it is to say, if the Canadians stick to that standard, he will not absolutely will not have his number retired. Now, do they change that standard because, you know, it's a different era? That's the question.
1: I don't think they do. Montreal stuck in traditionalism and uh, I don't think his number is retired. I think they have too many numbers retired. I think this whole number retiring thing needs to stop. Um, I mean, not nothing. And it's nothing against Kerry. If they retire his number, great. I'll celebrate with everybody else. Yeah. well deserved. However, if they don't, it's not it's not hurting my feeling. I, I don't take it as a slight to carry price if they don't retire his number. I really don't. Um, it's just the way Montreal is, it's just the way they do things. If he would have won a cup, for sure, probably they retire it and they put it up there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took him what, 27 years to retire was number. Um, and he single-handedly won him two cups. Um, mind you. They also had a little bit of a, a tiff, a tiff, and a separation. But still,
0: Bob um, Ganey. It took them fifteen to twenty years before they retired his number. And here's a guy who, whose play essentially gave birth to the Selkie Trophy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you have the. Uh, eight, there's still players back in the 70s and, and 60s that don't have their number retired that probably should. Um, Steve Shutt, Toe Blake. Steve Shutt, Toe Blake. Uh, oh, Steve Shutt, definitely Steve Shutt. Like, how is his number not retired yet? Uh, Matt Snazlin. How come they haven't retired Matt Snazlin's number? He was a top player of his generation at the time. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I don't think Matt Snazlin needs his number retired, but anyway, I'm just throwing mm-hmm. names out there. Um, Andre Markov, should they retire Andre Markov's number?
0: People argue, yes, uh, I disagree. Now, I had this argument with someone uh, recently uh, while watching our kids play hockey in a hockey camp, and he was going on about how, well, they retired Lundqvist's number, and I said, well, it's, you know, New York Rangers, uh, when you look at their history, well-deserved, Lundqvist is a great goalie, why not? But the standard to retire numbers is different in Montreal mm-hmm. by virtue of their history, and yep. unless they're willing to change that standard, there is no way they're going to retire his number.
1: I, I totally agree. I mean, like you can't compare another team uh, retiring numbers. Uh, you know, Winnipeg is retiring Timo Solani's number, and technically, he wasn't even part of that team. Cause it's the old, uh, the Atlanta team,
0: uh, technically. Yeah, I get it, but still, when uh, but still, I mean, and- I, I
1: don't have an issue, but each team has different reasons for retiring numbers. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: you know, Toronto barely retires any numbers anymore.
0: Um, no, they've got a couple, but they do what's the honoring of a number, they correct. Put the number up, but it's just honored.
1: And that's what I was going to bring up. So I'm a, I'm a big Yankees fan, unfortunately, because they suck right now. um, and uh, they have a monument park is what they call it and behind center field. Um, they do have some numbers retired, but they also have monuments and numbers up there that aren't retired, but are in an, you know, are honored because of what the great player they were. And I think that's what Montreal has to start doing, honoring their players in a different way than retiring them to say, Hey, we recognize what you did for us, you know, so we're going to, you know, do this for you and they do have that ring of honor there in the in the bell center um and i think that's the right way to go um because i mean at some point where where do you draw the line where do you draw the line on retiring numbers I mean with price again I have no issue if they retire his number i'm not going to be you know uh I just it's more of me being realistic saying I don't think Montreal does it he doesn't meet all the standards Montreal needs for you to retire his number I'm sorry you didn't want to come
0: You did everything, but, and and when you're, when you have a standard where you require someone to win a cup, doing everything, but that one last thing means you don't get it. I I understand, you know, we're in the cap era now. There's more teams. It's harder to win all of it. But if you look at statistically speaking with the number of Canadian teams we have, there should be a Canadian team winning every few years. So the Canadians should have been able to win one in there. And it's not Kerry's fault if they didn't, because he did absolutely everything he could to drag a team of also Rans and then teams that had some really good pieces as far as he could. The issue is he was never given enough support. And that falls to the fact that the Canadians have never done a rebuild until now.
1: They they should have when, when Bergevin took over uh now whether it was bergevin's call or molson's call at the time they should have done a complete rebuild uh they really didn't have the problem they the problem was is they had nothing in their cupboards they had no draft picks whatsoever that had any type of potential um and uh yeah they really didn't have much of a team and it wasn't for carrie price winning 60 percent of his games they they never would have been they would have had to do a rebuild anyway because it wouldn't have been any good uh so the issue there was management did not put the right pieces in place at the right time because bergman didn't start it till five years in and then he started oh well geez i gotta start rebuilding this and team and, no even then, at that point. and even then he didn't do a full rebuild
0: no. um Cause he, went, so, he pushed his chips all in there for basically that one Stanley cup run.
1: Right. Which probably might not have happened if it was a full season. Cause price was gone. Most of that season and you're relying on Jake Allen. And who was the backup then? I don't even know who the backup was. Um, oh, Lingren. And uh, you know, they weren't, they weren't going to get you a play. Although Allen played good that year. Don't get me wrong but they, yeah. they weren't going to get you to a playoff spot. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, – unfortunately, that's what happened. You can't go back and change history. You can say what if, could you, would you, whatever. But
0: Well, that kind of, that kind of points to how important timing is for uh, a franchise to become a winner because had Kerry Price been just entering the league now with what they're doing now, you could see a Stanley Cup in five six years, but because he showed up uh, at a time when the Canadians flatly refused to do what they needed to do to rebuild, and they were constantly doing patchwork to keep competing for a Stanley Cup playoff spot, because history of the team demands that you don't embarrass the team with you know a bad season. And look how that's worked. Did he end up with like 14 15th, 16th overall picks? Sometimes they're, pretty, they're sometimes they're good, but a lot of times they're not. And you're not getting any star players in that range. I mean, Coffield might be the only one that has potential to become a star player that they picked in that range.
1: And then when they picked in the range of bottom five, you got Kerry Price, and then you got Galchenyuk. And now, mind you, at the time of that draft, Gelchenyuk was a top three pick. People seem to forget yeah. that. People seem to forget at the time of that draft, picking Gelchenyuk third was not a bad pick. It wasn't. He just didn't end up being the player that they thought he was going to be. Just like Druin wasn't a bad pick at three in his draft, but he didn't end up being the player that everyone thought he would be. So,
0: yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say three words development
1: yeah exactly uh, it wasn't montreal's drafting that killed him It was the development of those draft picks that killed
0: him. now on in that vein this year is a development year for a lot of guys and part of that is going to be how competitive the team is you, d- you don't want them playing in a in a an environment where you're getting blown out 7-1 every game you want them doing what they did in that second half under St. last year, where they're in every single game. They may lose, but it's not because the goalie gave up 15 goals. You know, like it just, they need some decent goaltending. Now, with Carey Price completely out, it falls to Jake Allen and Semyon Montambo. Now, last year, both had injury concerns as well. Montambo had that hand injury. Uh, Allen, God. I can't there's three or four different injuries he had over the year.
1: he had a concussion, then he had a groin, yeah. and then yeah. uh I think it was another groin near the end of the year that kept him out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, I think they're okay with Allen. If Allen can stay healthy, Allen's a solid goalie. Like he he's not uh he's, yeah. he's not gonna steal you a game, but he's not gonna lose you a game either. Um
0: it, and that's the kind of goalie that they need this yeah. season. I mean, they they need Motambo to step up a little bit. And he, I know Allen played hurt through most of the year. They need him to return to what he normally is. So last year, the Canadians gave up a franchise record number of goals. I think it was like 300 16, 17, somewhere around there. The save percentages on the goaltenders that they had playing were all sub 900. I think Allen was the only one above 900.
1: Yeah. He was 903 or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if, If the goaltenders, these two goalies, can return to their career averages, so Allen's career average is a nine eleven. If he can get to nine eleven, and Montembeau can get to, I think he's an eight ninety two, eight ninety three, something around there. Yeah,
1: he was eight ninety one last year, so he's around there this year.
0: So if he just kind of stays where he's at, Allen, you know, takes a little step forward they're going to let in less goals and the goal to the the overall goals against will go down and the team will stay as competitive as they were in that second half under St. Louis if I can see that. for whatever reason <clears throat> if for whatever reason or somehow with Robida there with a defensive scheme or the idea of keeping the puck in the other team's zone means they're shooting the puck less than yours they find a way of cutting back on that Uh, league worst number of shots against per game they can cut back two three four shots a game against that save percentage increase looks even better so if they can do those two slight changes the canadians i mean they're not going to finish outside the top 10 in the draft but at the very least the games are going to be competitive and the young guys will be able to play in these games and, and Play in situations like trying to defend a lead with a minute left, or try to get that one goal with a minute left. You know the those key times that you really need someone to step up. You want to give them these situations so they can learn.
1: Well, if you look at Montreal's forward group, it's really not that bad. Like you, you look at their no. forward group. Yeah. It's, 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 it's. I mean, you have a potential 35, 40 goal scorer in Ca- Caulfield. Potential, I say. Um, Suzuki's a potential eighty-point guy. Uh, Gallagher, if he comes back to form, can get you 20 25 goals. You have 20 25 goals from Dadanov. You can get 20 25 goals from Hoffman. Um, Sleposky, if he turns out to be the guy you think he's going to be, you got another 20 25 goals there. So you get offense. You have a solid offense. You have a solid forward group, and you do have a group of fairly good defensive forwards Gallagher, Evans, Dvorak, Dadanov, Suzuki. Um, Anderson's not bad defensively.
0: Um, Monahan if he's healthy. Monahan he if he's form. healthy.
1: Uh, Doc needs work. Uh, Caulfield needs work. I don't know about Swagovski. He, he played well defensively uh, at the Olympics and that, but I don't know uh, what he's going to be at the NHL level. Huffman you can forget about. Drew and you can forget about. Um, so they're, they're not bad. They're not going to lose based on offense. I think their offense is going to be okay. Um the problem is is you have too many defensemen playing in spots they shouldn't be playing in. Like yes, Matheson and Savard should not be one and two. Uh Matheson should be maybe two and Savard should be four or five. Um, you know, Edmondson's right where he should be. Edmondson's fine right where he's at. Um, but then you don't have you have Schoeneman or Barron playing with him. So you have a a, a young guy. Uh, Schooneman, I was okay with Schooneman last year. I thought he played very well defensively. Um,
0: as a third-pairing guy, absolutely.
1: As a third-pairing guy, but he's probably going to play second-pairing minutes. Uh, that's the issue you have with their D, de- And then you have, of course, Harris, Gooley, or whoever you're going to put on the left side of the bottom three. And Weidman, the only two guys playing exactly where they should play are Edmondson and Weidman. So, other yeah. than that, everyone else should not be playing where they're playing.
0: Now, I, I agree. That's a, that's a problem. Everyone's playing up a little bit of what they should be. Yeah. There, you know, there's no first line guy. There's no first pairing guys on this lineup. Um, but what is making me a little bit more um, hopeful for the future is the shift into the style of play of that blue line. Now, no one's a, a top pair guy, but there's a lot more puck movement, a lot more mobility. Uh, Hughes and Gordon are shifting this team over to a more uh mobile defensive unit that matches what the best teams in the nhl today have so that's going to be the focus if they can get you know that power play specialist uh they can get a first pairing guy this defensive lineup with all that youth that with a little bit of experience looks a lot better
1: well i mean they're uh Someone wrote an article with that. I'm not sure it was. Oh, right, it was me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Key up. Um, yeah. So they're getting away from the. Bergevin built his defense based on how he played defense, uh, yeah. and that was great for the '90s. That's that's what you built your defense around in the '90s. You had,
0: and honestly, a lot of those guys you need in the playoffs. You you do, and
1: and Bergman's adjective was you had guys that got you to playoffs, and you had guys that got you through the playoffs. And let's be honest, as good as Carey Price was, he had four defensemen in front of him that were playoff-ready defensemen: Sharat, Edmondson, Weber, and Petrie. Um, And they got that; they helped get him through the the playoffs. What uh, uh, you know, you had that that four that four pitch Trident there that uh, what they broke a record for Mm -hmm. the least amount of power play goals against. I think they went 38 power plays before allowing a goal or something like that. Um, Yeah. In the playoffs that year. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's great. It's all great, but you have to get there and you have to change with the flow of the game. And that's something Bergevin had a hard time doing. Um, Hughes and Gordon, however, They're not having a hard time doing that. They're like, no, we need puck movers. We need you guys, but we need. Now, the difference between a puck mover and a good defenseman puck mover is not Victor (laughs) Mekday. Victor Mette could move the puck, but he couldn't do anything else with it. When I'm talking about with the puck mover, I mean a guy that can move the puck. Plus, he knows exactly what to do with it when he gets in the offensive zone. And he has a little bit of defensive liability that he can actually play defense. Uh, Matheson still needs to work on his defense, but really Matheson is almost a clone of Petrie. Uh,
0: yeah. He essentially plays the same style he's, of hockey. He plays the same style of Petrie breakdowns. Yeah. But okay. overall Matheson is a good defenseman.
1: He is. And the difference is he's not just good between blue line and blue line. He can actually get into the offensive zone and know he has the, offensive knowledge and he has the uh, uh to know what to do with the puck when he gets in there. He knows when to pass, when to shoot, who to pass to, and who not to. He has that vision. Victor Mete, great puck mover, no vision. K- couldn't play defense. The Leafs are going to change him, however, they're gonna rebuild him and he's gonna become the six million dollar defenseman. Um, he's the
0: next galchenyuk
1: He's the next galchenyuk
0: Um so who's or, he gonna give the puck away to in the first round to make the, the Leafs lose? Who I it's Ottawa. Oh, oh, wouldn't that be great? If, he, if he's playing against Ottawa in the first round, he gives up the puck to Ottawa, you know, just like Galchenyuk did for Montreal. Oh. Two on O. And
1: the it's announcer poetic. doesn't know <laughs> and the announcer won't know to call a goal or not because he's so shocked.
0: It'd be so poetic.
1: Um <laughs> But anyway, that's that's the difference between a puck mover and a puck mover. You can have guys who can move the puck. But if they can't do anything with the puck, it's useless. Um, and that's what I mean. You have Harris who can move the puck. Uh, now, these are guys coming up. Barron's going to be pretty good moving the puck. You would know more about that than I would. Um, Arbor Jack guy can actually move the puck. Caden Gooley's not mm-hmm. bad at moving the puck. Um, Struble, if he ever signs and comes with Montreal. Uh, so, all these guys. Now, mind you, Bergman drafted a lot of these guys. So, he did know that in the future he's going to have to change the way he does things uh but he didn't have a puck mover now if it was the other way around i dare say virgin would be drafting the six foot six burly defenseman but uh norlander another guy who can move the puck yep problem norlanders he can't play defense he's like a eric gustafson um yeah
0: he's still learning the north american game so yes like, i'm going to give him another year like he didn't it, last year was not a very good year i mean the pandemic that really threw a lot of people off. So I'm really going to judge him on this year.
1: He had a lot of injury issues last year as well.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: And he lost his job in Sweden. And anyway, it was a lot of mismanagement with Norlander last year. Um So they, they, they have a nice group coming up that can, can do that. Um Ghouli, however, to me is one. And I think Arbor Jack guy, they're going to be the defensive guys that can, can play. Ghouli going to be, I don't want to say a Weber clone but he's going to play like Weber. He's going to be very reliable on his own end, and he's going to be just as reliable in the offensive end, um, only more of a setup guy than a, a uh, you know, shoot the puck, wire the puck into that type guy. Um, so the future is looking bright, I think, on defense. We just have to be patient with it.
0: Yeah, the uh, the approach that uh, Gordon and Hughes are taking is, it's more modern. They're, they're using yeah. the analytics. They're using, yeah, they're just looking at it in a different angle. I mean, I get yeah. it. I, I, you know, there was some success there with the uh, Bergeron and I don't want to crap on him. This isn't a uh, hate on Bergeron thing. He had success.
1: It was 10 mean- years.
0: Oh, over his 10 years. They made the, uh, the conference finals twice, made a cup final once, uh, won, the, won the division of three, four times. I mean, he had some success. You can't.
1: uh, My opinion is you can't sit there and say everything good about a person without mentioning things that they did wrong and vice versa. Right. So everyone knows I was a Bergevin's. I didn't mind Bergevin as a GM. I like Bergevin as a GM. I thought his final five years were better than his first five years, even though he had more success in his first five years, minus the Stanley cup final. Um, only because of the way he finally decided that we need to really do something with this team and change things around. That's why I liked the last five years. I thought he did a better mind. You, he was runner up to GM of the year three times. So he it's was. not like he wasn't recognized by other teams or other organizations of, of the great job he did. However, he made mistakes. He did things wrong. He didn't modern. He couldn't get that center. I mean, and again, I'm not shitting on him, but, can't use got two centers in one year. Two top centers in one year, and Bergeron couldn't get one in ten. So
0: Well no, yeah, he did. Suzuki. Uh,
1: yeah, he did, but I mean that's it. You know, and that
0: Well, I mean, I've seen people crapping on him saying, well, he didn't want Suzuki, he wanted glass, so we can't no, really he, give him credit for blah blah blah. But he got Suzuki.
1: Right. He actually, day, depending on who you listen to, it was Suzuki or Glass. And Bergevin, at the time, preferred Glass. But Vegas went, Vegas. thought Glass had, Glass had the more upside. So before you shit on Bergevin about Glass, Vegas wanted him just as much as Bergevin did.
0: And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter right what guy. intentions are. Who did you get? Who did you he trade got- for? Who did you draft?
1: he got the right guy
0: that and he's the GM it yeah. falls on him so all right. the all the uh the mistakes are his and all the successes are his correct because he's the guy now um I think that we're pretty much going to end it there we we covered quite a bit of ground do you have any final thoughts
1: no but if you're going to the gym and you want to look good as Matt Smith you should get liftoff apparel from liftoff if you use the code unfiltered, you get fifteen percent off. Uh, it delivers anywhere in Canada. It's great stuff. I wear it. Uh, Matt Smith should wear it because he'd look like a, a Greek god in it. And
0: um, he he doesn't wear a shirt at the gym.
1: That's true. That's
0: true. He and no one no one sweat
1: and no one else can work out because they're too busy uh, in awe at what he's doing. Um, I'm kind of jealous because I know he's going to be more jacked than I am. So. Uh, um, Anyway, he's already prettier than I am. Now he's going to be more jacked. So, uh, And he'll be back he'll be soon. Prettier. Uh, I also want to give a shout out and say uh, bravo Zulu to you, Matt Smith. I know job well done in Kuwait on your deployment. Um, uh, it was 100% success according to the CAF. And that, uh, a lot of it is owed to you and your crew. And uh, congratulations. Good luck coming back. I hope everything goes well. And I can't wait to see you back on the show.
0: I think he's going to look amazing with that bar on his OEM. Amazing.
1: I'm still in awe.
0: Well, yeah. I'm still waiting to see him in this powder blue. Yeah.
1: I think we should all wear our DEUs one day on the show. Well, we'll say that. We'll say that. And then when he shows up, we just
0: won't. Yeah. Anyone who wants that to happen, just... Put a comment in here on YouTube uh, and let us know. Uh, Also, I want to pass on uh, my thanks to everyone for listening. My thanks to those who have been watching um, throughout this live on YouTube. Um, The comments that you've made, the emails we get, the interaction that we have with you on social media, we really appreciate that. You guys, I say this every episode, but you guys really make this fun. You help this show evolve. So I want to say thank you to everyone, and I want to uh, remind you that if you're talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs, and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergie Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated, To cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you.